0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. India's official count of COVID-19 cases has surpassed the 20 million mark. Infections have nearly doubled in the past three months, while deaths have passed over 220,000. But the true figures are believed to be far higher. Today, we're joined by Vijay Shlal. He is the General Secretary of the Evangelical Fellowship of India. Despite all of this. He says there is still hope. He himself managed to contract COVID-19. He's going to share that story and what that was like for him. He's also going to share how we as Christians across the globe can help those who are suffering in India. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. The case counts and the death toll continue to rise in India as a second wave of COVID-19 ravages that country. Today, we're joined by Vijayash Lal. He's the General Secretary of the Evangelical Fellowship of India. You are in the heart of India where things are not looking so great when it comes to the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there right now.
2: Well, we are struggling with a massive and a severe second wave of COVID-19. The situation is quite grim and the loss of lives is mounting up. Till date, according to official figures, we have lost over just over 225,000 people to this virus. And our daily cases, in a, you know, confirmed number of infections per day have uh, crossed 400,000 cases a day. On an average, we report 300,000 cases plus per day. Like yesterday, we reported, uh, if I'm not wrong, Yesterday we reported about three three hundred ninety thousand cases or uh, three hundred eighty three thousand cases a day uh, yesterday. So the situation is quite grim. Um, experts are saying that these numbers are underreported, and that the death tally and the daily cases actually are much higher. Uh, television visuals, social media, Twitter, particularly, you know, we see crematoriums being packed as people have to line up the dead bodies of their loved ones, take tokens for them, for them to be cremated. New crematoriums, facilities have to be created because, uh, we've, uh, you know, it is just so many bodies. Uh, you know, it's, uh, in New York Times, I believe uh, he was writing, uh, there was an article It says it's as if a war just happened. And uh, the atmosphere is quite gloomy. People are dying, not just because of the disease itself, but they are dying because they are not getting oxygen. They are not getting admissions in hospitals. They are not getting beds. Uh, I have friends who have lost their loved ones. One of them lost his wife because the oxygen got over. So, uh, and these are, this is the situation in the cities But now, in the first wave, the the rural areas were not so infected. But now it has gone to the rural areas. And news media reports are telling us that people are just dropping like flies. People are dying of uh, fever. They are dying of breathlessness, even before they can be tested for the disease. So Twitter has become our uh, COVID helpline, Twitter and WhatsApp. And uh, people are basically stepping up for each other because the infrastructure is just not there. So the situation is, is actually quite grim. Uh, what's the response been of the
0: Christian church in India? Are the, Is the church able to step up and help in ways right now? Or is it pretty difficult to do anything?
2: The church has stepped up. The church stepped up during the first wave. The church has stepped up in during the second wave also. Uh, after the government of India, the church is the largest healthcare provider in the country. And we have opened up all our hospitals. Uh, and, and, and doctors are doing 27 hours shifts. You know, some doctors are doing 27-hour shifts. So the hospitals are open. Yeah. I do not know of any church that has not engaged in some sort of relief for their community where they are found in. Uh, Apart from that, Christian doctors have come together. We have opened up a a helpline where people can call in uh, so that they don't have to go to the hospital where there are no beds anyways. So they can be at home and these doctors will tell them how to be treated at home if the case is not too serious. Uh, A couple of us have got together in Delhi. I'm talking about Delhi now. A couple of us got together in Delhi and we are uh, having a... uh, you know we are placing two extensions uh, facilities where covid patients can be taken care of isolation facilities one of them is going to be an extension of a christian hospital the other is going to be in a christian school um, uh, equipped with oxygen con- concentrators equipped with volunteers in fact we 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 start volunteer training tomorrow onwards so the church has stepped up in a major way information networks have come up overnight Uh, young people have have started making use of tools like WhatsApp, Google sheets, uh, Twitter, uh, you know, directing people to wherever oxygens can be found, COVID beds can be found. Uh, So the church is doing a lot, much more, uh, you know, than its capacity uh, to take care of things. But but the church has lost people as well. You know, it is our estimation that anywhere between you know, 350 to 400 pastors have died already. We have lost bishops. And uh, so things, things are bad, to tell you honestly, but the church is doing its best uh, to come up because we believe, you know, we have something to offer at this point of time. This is our country. Jesus Christ has called us to serve the people, irrespective of whatever they confess to be. So what? The church has stepped up its, it's, uh, it's relief uh, uh, activity. The church has also installed helplines, emotional helplines, wherein people can just call and just talk, you know, because uh, another silent pandemic along with the COVID pandemic is the pandemic of mental health. People need somebody to talk to. People want to cry. You know, mm. when you see your loved one passing away just in front of you, and you are helpless. You can't do anything. You know the death was entirely preventable, but we are not. You were not able to save your save your loved one. You want to do something. You know you have you have to let your heart out. And so helplines are there. People can call, and counselors are on are on standby. Uh, so that's uh, that's on the relief front. On the prayer front, um, prayers are being organized. In fact, on the seventh of May uh there is a day it is proclaimed as a day of prayer and fasting for the healing of our nation and the world from COVID-19 and uh uh, it is a a common call a joint call by the Catholic Bishops Conference of India the National Council of Churches in India and the Evangelical Fellowship of India so all three major bodies of the church in India have jointly issued that call uh
0: what What's going on in the country right now for like worship gatherings for churches have you Have most churches just stopped gathering in person then
2: right now oh, Yes oh yes we are, people we have, we are advising people not even to step out of their homes, so worship gatherings are are completely stopped uh, How's that adjustment been for for people? See when the first wave came, we coped up with that. So I I am the General Secretary of the Evangelical Fellowship of India. We actually ran workshops, webinars, wherein we trained people how to take their church online, using simple tools like a mobile phone, a 2G 2G network. How How do you do that in a village? So people are now quite adept. They know how to use Facebook. They know how to use Zoom. They know how to use Skype in order to take their churches online. And so that's what people are doing. We adapted in the first wave itself. So
1: you're still, do, or some, some churches are still doing some online things if people are healthy enough.
2: Most of the churches are doing things online. In fact, uh, one of my, one of my friends, he passed away. He was a pastor in central India. He passed away from COVID. And the very next Sunday, you know, a few days later, very next Sunday, it was his daughter's that stepped up and took the service. So the service is um, Yeah, it breaks our heart, but that's how it is.
1: In your position, how are you feeling when you look around and you see what's going on around you?
2: It's very distressing, to tell you honestly. Um, first wave was, uh, you know, it's out there. Although I got it on uh, me and my wife and our son, we we got it in the first wave itself and I almost died and God gave us a new lease of life. Uh, but it was still out there, you know. But now friends uh, that we've grown up with are going. Uh, in the past week, I've lost five members of my, my extended family. One of them, a 30-year-old cousin of mine uh, who has a baby who's barely two months old. So it's it's wow. striking very close, very, very close. But even in the midst of that, you know, we recognize, you know, EFI, Evangelical Fellowship of India, we use this tag. Jesus has called us to be super spreaders of hope, especially in an environment of fear and uncertainty. So we are stepping up our relief activities. We are stepping up, uh, uh, you know, our, our, our rehabilitation work, taking care of families where they have lost their main breadwinners. And we are working on getting more oxygen concentrators in the country so that churches can run isolation centers, even in their empty buildings right now, so that the community will be benefited. So a lot of my time goes just in coordinating all of that.
1: How can we, across the globe, pray and help the people of India?
2: It is the time to pray. You know, Uh, only God can save us from this because... Things are going to get bad. Uh, according to the experts, we are probably going to hit the peak in June and July beginning. And uh, vaccines are in short supply. Uh, so we have to pray, number one. Pray that lives would be saved, the pandemic would be contained, uh, you know, te- uh, testing would be scaled up and, and vaccination drive would increase uh, but most of all, pray that the Lord would rid us of this dreadful virus but also if if the Lord moves your heart, it's time to give uh, the infrastructure is not there in the country unfortunately, and uh, civil society the government has called the civil society that includes Christian organizations, churches to step up and help the government in tackling uh, this pandemic and the and the churches are are already doing that and we are willing to step up our efforts but we would need all the reinforcement that we can get so it's time to give as well so if the lord moves your heart pray and give but pray really hard
0: you mentioned uh i believe it's friday you said is going to be a day of prayer and fasting for uh, COVID 19 in india
2: yes the 7th of may friday yes
0: how could we find out more information on that and
2: join in with you here in canada I'll be happy to send you a flyer. You can find more information on our Facebook page. Uh, We have not uh, made it an event-centric thing, you know. so we are not organizing one online prayer. We are not doing that. In fact, we have issued a call to all churches, all Christians across India, observe that day in your homes, in your small fellowships, in your online gatherings, the best way that you can. We did not want that day to be uh, centered on an event, but rather that the whole day be soaked in prayer. So you can find out more information on, on our website as well, efionline.org, um, and on our Twitter handles and on our Facebook, you you can you find it there. Have you seen
0: God moving so far? It sounds like such a hopeless and desperate situation, but what are some ways you've seen God moving already, or what's something that new that
2: you've learned about God in the midst of all of this? Oh, there's plenty of evidence of God moving. You know, we, more people are recovering than dying. Thank God for that. That's God moving already there for you. You know, I see God moving in every teenager that steps up to help, not caring about themselves. You know, I have a colleague of mine, her son just volunteered. He said, I'll, he's barely finished his 12th grade. Teenager guy, he he steps up and he says, "I'm willing to uh, serve people uh, in the extensions that you're planning. I'm I'm willing to be trained. Please use me. I can be your service." For every teenager that steps up, I I believe that's a mighty move of God. I see I see God uh, protecting uh, our doctors, uh, not just Christian doctors, but but doctors as a whole. You know, even though many doctors have themselves fallen sick. But uh, it's it's uh, supernatural that they are even able to cope up. So there is plenty of evidence of uh, of God moving. There's plenty of evidence of God moving when people start to help each other, step, step up for each other, you know, uh, people vacating their, their beds for the other, other person, saying, hey, he needs it more than I do. So there's, there's plenty of evidence of God moving. Uh, I've seen him moving in my life when he healed me from COVID and my wife. We were, we were almost gone. So yeah, uh, God is moving more than <laughs> more than we can see. Uh, so I'm what absolutely was, for that.
0: What was your own experience with COVID like? Could you just tell us a little bit more about what
2: that was? Uh, um, we, we stayed in the hospital for almost 20 days, both my wife and I. She got it first. Then I got it from her. By the time I got it, full blown she was already at the hospital i remember leaving her at the hospital door because uh, they don't allow you to be there with the patient because of the uh, you know nature of the virus because it's so contagious i remember telling the lord lord you've got to get her back to me and the lord seems has a sense of humor instead of <laughs> getting her back to me he made me get to her <laughs> <laughs> And somehow the, the authorities gave us the same room. And uh, so we were there. We shared the room. And uh, it was an intense time of getting to know God even closer. The intense time of reading his word. I mean, the disease was there. You got your breathlessness. Uh, we, you know, we, you were on oxygen you were having your x-rays and CT scans and you were having your shots and your steroids and everything. But in the middle of all of that, my wife and I felt more closer to God than we had ever been. And God's voice was so real. We went through the scriptures together. We finished the book of John. I went through the whole book of Psalms and uh, it was as if God was speaking every single moment. So, uh, I mean, I, I really thank God for that experience. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience for us, uh, experiencing the healing of the Lord, knowing that the situation is hopeless. The Lord brought me to a point where I told him it doesn't really matter if I, if I live or die now, I, and I know I'm going to be with you. It doesn't really matter. So thank you for having me in your hands. After that, uh, you know, I, I just didn't care. And, and that's where my healing started, I believe. After that, that that particular day, I, I I kept on recovering.
1: So even in the midst of isolation, there's that hope and and that opportunity to grow in faith.
2: Of course. My wife, uh, so when I came and I joined her, we stayed for almost uh, a week together. And after that, she was sent home because she got better and the children were al- alone at home. So she wanted to go home anyways. So I, I stayed uh, about 10 more days. Uh, and that that's when I was in isolation. And uh, yeah, it, God can use any circumstance. You know, we just have to be yielded to him, just have to be available to him. He's always speaking.
1: That isolation can almost, for someone on the outside looking and I'm hearing your story, it, it's beautiful. But for others, you think of this isolation that COVID causes, and it seems like this horrible, scary time. But again, it's an opportunity to sit it there and... A-
2: It is a horrible, scary time if all you're thinking of is that I'm going to die. And that was my situation for the first few days when I was admitted in the hospital. When I kept on looking at the reports, uh, my morale kept going down. That's when a friend of mine called me and said, stop looking at the reports. Stop Googling your symptoms. Stop Googling your reports. Just focus on the word of God. That's what I did. You know, uh, it's not not to say that I was ignoring my condition. No, I'm a pretty aware guy. I knew exactly what was happening. You know, when I when, when my heart was affected, so COVID affected my heart, gave me something called a myocarditis, where wherein I, I was getting very slow uh, pulse. So my pulse was dropping, and my normally the heartbeat is around seventy eight per minute. Mine became thirty, sometimes lower than that. Wow. So they were talking about giving me a pacemaker if things don't improve. So I, I, all those things were there. But what do you listen to? What do you choose to look at? You know, That's what matters, I believe. So as long as I was looking at and putting my hope uh, in the reports, so my hope used to rise with good reports and come down with the bad ones. <laughs> but once I was looking to God and kept my eyes on him, I was steady.
0: Hmm. That's so great. Uh, we'll continue to be praying for our brothers and sisters in India, here in Canada. And uh, we just want to thank you for taking the time to share with us about the situation you're all facing.
2: Thank you. Thank you for calling and inquiring. Uh, my only appeal is don't stop praying for us. We as a nation need your prayers. Pray for our authorities. Pray for our health care providers. Pray for the church that we will continue to be the beacon of hope.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.